Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Good morning. Welcome to Morning Shot. I'm Lin Lee. Most recently, China reported a dip in marriages in 2022 to their lowest since records began. This continues a steady decline that the nation has seen over the past decade. Against that backdrop, demographers warn that the world's second largest economy is expected to get old before it gets rich. Well, if you're wondering why, that's because its workforce is shrinking as the nation fights a flagging birth rate. And in the meantime, local governments are also spending more on their elderly population. To enlighten us on what cascading effects all of this might have on China's economy, we're joined by William Ma, Chief Investment Officer from Grow Investment Group. A very good morning to you, William. Good morning. Crunching the numbers here, China saw a drop of 800,000 marriages in 2022, that's last year, compared with the previous year in 2021. And the same can also be said about the nation's stubbornly low birth rates, which also saw a record low in 2022. How does all that correlate with the impact we're seeing on the workforce? Yeah, actually, there is long-term structural reason for the low kind of flight marriage and short-term. If you look at the urbanization rate in China, Right now, it's 65% compared to 80% in the states and other countries. So historically, show us that when urbanization rate increase, actually the birth rate and marriage rate will decrease because, you know, people work harder mm-hmm. and then uh, they get marriage lower and it's hard. So I think China is no exception of this and hence the lowering marriage rate. But secondly, I think the short term is about COVID in the last two years. When I talk to my friends, they also worry about the future of the kids and themselves and the job. That's why they get less married. And the reason, two, three months, I think the main reason is the economy slowed down. So it all boils down to a lower marriage rate and a birth rate. Apparently, the young Chinese are saying that getting married is like going to hell. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, when I talk, talk to my friends, um, the cost of, you know, getting married and giving kids is really high. I recall about 15 years ago in Hong Kong, there is an advertisement saying that, you know, giving birth to a kid will cost you 4 million Hong Kong dollar. And now in China, I think it, it would easily double if you raise it to a higher rate. So I think a younger generation tends to enjoy life mm-hmm. and getting married maybe in their early 30s instead of traditionally in their mid-20s. So, so that, that is true. Well, China is facing, what, what it's facing now is a drag on growth, right, as a result of the shrinking workforce. And meanwhile, the swelling number of elderly also putting pressure on the welfare system. Do you see that as a vicious cycle? Yeah, I think um, not not just the uh, shrinking workforces. For example, there is also a bunch of, you know, new graduates. I think the key challenge of the Chinese government is how to produce enough jobs, if you like, for the fresh graduate. Every year, there is about 14, 14 million graduate students from the China market. And mm-hmm. in particular, this year, it's a bit challenging. It's because um, if you look at the statistics, you know, a lot of business owners, they are not hiring, worrying about the economy slowdown globally and locally. So I think the uh, quick uh, big question, number one, is to create enough job, you know, for the first graduate. And second point is uh, China is undergoing a transition from uh, manufacturing to service sector. And in a slowing economy, I think the service sector is having problems and themselves said that's why they are not hiring a lot of people. Last but not least, I think the uh, increase of uh, using of new technology in the factories 
uh, and also the emerging of AI also kind of like putting pressure to the workforces. So all you know, um, this is not a new problem. Uh, China tried to solve it, you know, three three years ago by uh, introducing the third child policy, and um, I believe this trend will continue, and it would be a long term battle for every government in the world. Now that the limit's been raised to three, do you think the one child policy has backfired in an economic sense, in that the falling birth rates rippling through the population now is causing the decline to be self reinforcing? Yeah, I think that that is a historical uh, reason for that. And um, right now, um, despite the government trying to change third child policy, but it's not going to be easy. Um, I see, although a small trend, you know, some of the younger, you know, generation, they are, you know, sick of living in the tier one city, you know, work very hard uh, with a low life quality for some of them. They move back to the countryside, you know, tier three and tier four city, and they give birth to more children. So I believe Mm. we need to have this type of trend coming back in order to make the balance. And to be honest, the government also doing a lot of work and promotion, like, you know, West of the world in trying to provide subsidy, you know, when you give birth and trying to lower the education cost, like the crackdown of the education, you know, sector about two years ago. So all this is trying to solve the uh, kind of like low birth rate problem. But again, it, it, it would be a decade kind of like battle instead of one, one to two years. From my perspective, I think the near term is how to solve the unemployment because, you know, the demographic or structural change uh, would change slowly year by year. But the near term concern or market focus would be the unemployment rate. And China's growth seems to have slowed a little after an early burst of activity post-COVID reopening. What other stimulants do you think are needed to sustain that earlier optimism? Yeah, I think the um, physical policy is the key. If you look at the liquidity, like M2 and monetary stimulus, as well as the rate cut, you know, yesterday, I think this is good to have. But to be honest, I think uh, the key challenge domestically in China is about the business confidence for the business owner as well as the consumer. And in China market, we have enough liquidity from my perspective as well. So I think one, physical stimulus is important in which, you know, it will help partially solve the unemployment as well when you build more roads and bridges in useful places. And I think the second point is to uh, solve the real estate problem in which there are rumors that there will be a big stimulus or regulations change helping them to support the regulations uh, on the uh, real estate. For example, lowering the mortgage rate, you know, or encourage people to buy back house again. So those are big changes in terms of to kick back or to stimulate the business confidence of the retail people. How much relief do you think that will have on the financial sector and the wider economy? You know, China's uh, biggest banks are also lowering their interest rates on yuan deposits. Yeah, I think um, the saving rate in China right now is at the peak, even higher than, you know, um, during the COVID. That reflects um, the investment sentiment in uh, China is quite uh, conservative. If you look at the new fund launches or new fund raised by mutual fund, it's uh, at historical lows as well. So lowering, you know, saving rate in banks would help a little bit because uh, people, you know, get less interest when they put money in a bank. But at the same time, it would not encourage them to put money back to the real estate market and um, equity market, which is much needed, you know, in in, um, this time around. 
So I think the bottleneck or bottom line, if you like, is uh, for the business confidence to come back. I would suggest that um, besides the government stimulus, we should also focus on quarter two, Q2 earnings. Uh, we are seeing some sector, uh, for example, manufacturing, some of the car manufacturers potentially will give some positive or higher market expectation earnings in Q2. I think that will help, you know, our business sentiment as well. Last but not least, I think um, the domestic business people are worrying about global recession and U.S. recession. So far, I think the U.S. is still doing all right. You know, if you look at the inflation number and also uh, the uh, U.S. government trying to slow kind of light rate height. So if that part of risk is taking out the picture, I believe the business owner in China will getting uh, slightly more positive as well. Talking about that, let's not forget ties between China and the U.S. are still hanging on a tight rope. How much of that is weighing down on China's economy? Would you say that domestic issues are mm. playing more for center stage? Mm. I think at this point, domestic issue is uh, on the center, uh, center stage compared to three years ago, you know, mm. When the you know U.S.-China relationship getting worse, I think business owners are worried, but they are not super worried right now. A lot of the focus or the manufacturer, if you see what they are doing, is they are start exploring the domestic market. Some of the export you know business owner that I talked to, for example, making toys or making bikes, uh, doing OEM, they are start building their own brand in China and selling to the local kind of kind of like market. And that happened during the COVID because they also worry about. Covert, you know, importing export. But right now, the domestic confidence is not as high as people expected. Um, that would impact those business owner whether they spend uh, extra capex, whether they hire extra people, in order to kind of like build the business. So I think the bottleneck is domestic rather than the U.S.-China tension. Now, you're an investment expert, so for the benefit of our, of our listeners and keeping in mind what we've talked about so far, which sectors would you advise mm. investors to go for? Yeah, I would suggest um, policy supportive sector, which is, you know, um, high-end manufacturing, uh, targeting, you know, components, domestic consumption, these type of kind of light sectors. And second, uh, for example, electric vehicles. They are also supported by the government policy. Uh, last but not least, uh, if we are using a barbell approach, I believe the banks, Chinese banks, is still attractive in terms of valuation. They are trading at 0.5 to 0.8 time price to book. But in terms of dividend yield, we are talking about 7 to 8%. I believe the China market is trading at uh, attractive valuation because the global and local sentiment is really weak. Banks will give us a good cushion, you know, with dividend yield. But when the market sentiment improves, it will give us, you know, some upside to participate the potential rebound as well. Thank you so much for your insights today, William. Thank you. We've been speaking with William Ma, Chief Investment Officer from Grow Investment Group. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.